we're going to be looking this morning at the Word of God, and, and then after that, we're going to have a very special time of bringing in a, a young man that we're going to be ordaining as he is going to be going in uh, as an ordained administrator, continuing the ministry he's been doing, and uh, we'll be going, conferring a degree upon him as well. So uh, we're looking forward to all of that. So we got a, a lot to get done in a short amount of time, and uh, you know here at Christian Embassy, with the acceleration of the Holy Spirit, we can get it done. Amen. Great things can happen. So we're going to be looking this morning, and we're going to pray just a minute for God to give us an anointing on this so that we receive it. But we're going to be studying the importance of the Word of God. And, uh, and I just want to pray that we would be in the right mindset, that our hearts, our minds, everything would be settled to the fact and focused on hearing not from a man, but hearing from God today. Because the Spirit of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here, and He wants to speak to you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to edify you. He wants to equip you. And what you need to do is you need to get in faith position to receive from the Lord, not from a man, but from the Lord today, amen? So we pray now in the name of Jesus. Father, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So how exciting to know that as we study your Word together now, Lord God, our faith is going to rise. Our faith is going to be nurtured. Our faith is going to be strengthened. And Lord God, we're going to be able to please you this week in ways that we could not have had we not had this opportunity. I pray now for a supernatural miracle, Lord God, to take place in the preaching of your Word. Lord, let your Word come forth and bring deliverance and bring healing and bring uh, uh, resurrection hope, Lord God. Lord God, let it bring redemption, Lord God. Let it it bring a, a, an answer to a prayer. Let it bring light into a dark situation, Lord God. Let it bring relief to where there's pressure, Lord God. Lord God, let it bring freedom where there's bondage. We pray that your word would go forth and do mighty, mighty great things here this morning. And Lord God, we just expect the miracle. We expect we expect the supernatural manifest of heaven on earth. As we pray, as you taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. How do you like this anointing that flows up here? Brother Purnell, he's just such a blessing. We thank you. He and the whole praise and worship team leading us into a time of praise and worship. Now we're going to get into the Word, and believe it or not, the message title this morning is, We Need the Word. We Need the Word. The importance of the Word. Uh, how important it is. Uh, as I was praying this week, and the Lord was giving me downloads for what I was to share for Him today. He said, the folks need to understand the importance of the Word. Do you know the very first thing that Jesus was attacked on, the very first thing the enemy saw, if I can get Him to fail here, I can get Him to fail at everything else. If I can get Jesus to mess up here, I can get Him to mess up everywhere else. And that was that first temptation where He tries to get Jesus to turn the bread into stone. You remember that? And uh, stone into bread. And Jesus replies. Jesus knew what was going on. It wasn't about stone. It wasn't about bread. But Jesus replies that man shall not live by bread alone. There in Matthew 4 and 4, he said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He answered the devil and he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, they've done these studies and some of these studies have come back and they found that there are three basic things that every human being must have in order to live. 
they must have glucose. We've got to have energy. That's why we love that good cooking, because that physical food gives us energy. It gives us life. If we don't eat, we won't live. Uh, so important. So also they found out that we need oxygen. So you can eat all you want, but if you're not breathing, you're not going to be living. We need the oxygen in order to live. But strangely, they found that we also needed relationships in order to live and to proper functionally the way God created us. That relationships, that nurture is very, very important uh, to us. And, uh, and those three are very important. I think that relationship is so important, and that's one of the reasons God has called the ecclesia, the church, and He's called us out from the world. He's called us together that we could come and build relationship one with another as we build relationship with Him, and then to be equipped to go out and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So it's about relationships. Very, very important to God. And so we're glad you're here, but while you're here, don't be an island unto yourself. Be open to new friends and meeting new people and getting a little out of your comfort zone. Because uh, I remember when I went to college and, and, uh, and I moved in and I was an off-campus student, so I wasn't really integrated with a lot of the things that were happening on campus. And I remember sitting in the parking lot getting ready for chapel one day, and I was a freshman, and I was like, Lord... I, I'm so lonely, and I'm, you know, I'm drawing close to you, but I'm so lonely. And I remember this uh, student just walked by, and this gentleman walked by, and, and the Lord said, that could be your best friend right there, but you'll never know because you'll never talk to him. And I was like, wow. So I remember that pushed me to get out and to begin to talk, because I was real shy, believe it or not. And, uh, and the last person you would have ever thought that would have got up and spoken to crowds, but that's how God has a sense of humor if you know what I mean. And as my mom says, my brother, he is the show. Uh, everybody used to invite him to parties and wouldn't invite me because I, they didn't know me, but he, everybody knew my brother. He's the bright star. He's the jokester. He's the one that keeps the party going. And my mom always said, now I could see Jim being a preacher, but God really got this thing wrong when he called Tim to be the preacher. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I agree, mom. I, I argued with the Lord myself, but this is, this is it. But relationships are very, very important, and you need to push yourself out of your comfort zones for that. Because let me tell you what, I want to get to know you, and, uh, and I'd love you to come and, and, and talk to me and us to be able to get to know each other from week to week and better and better so that we can do life together. <clears throat> it's so much easier to do life when you've got friends with you. The Bible talks about having those friends that you're stronger when you walk together. Uh, the Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. So there's ten times that uh, exponential uh, that takes place when we are in unity. And it's when we come together in unity, God said, there's where the blessing is. So relationships are very important. So all the experts say we need glucose, we need oxygen, and we need relationships. But this uh, expert, I'm going to bring a th theological point of view in uh, because I believe from what I've found and studied in God's Word to be true is that there's a fourth thing we need as well which maybe needs to be number one and that is we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God because Jesus Christ Himself said man shall not live by bread alone. So He says we're not going to be able to live the life, that Zoe life, that abundant life that He's called us to live alone. So we need not only bread, but we need the Word of God as well. 
So I'm just going to preach to you this morning until I can convince you we need the Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We see all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. When you take and open the Bible, you're actually taking in the breath of God. You're taking in the inspiration of God. You're taking in the life of God when you take in the Word of God. He says it is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof. It is profitable for correction. It is profitable for instruction in righteousness. It profits us. If we'll study the Word and take the Word and feast on the Word and live the Word, it's going to profit you in every area so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of God will equip you for anything and everything that life will ever throw against you. And you'll be able to come through it and do the good work of the Lord, that God will get the favor, that God will get the blessing in the way that you live your life if you receive it from the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to learn to study the word of God, uh, get an understanding of the whole counsel of God, so that we're not called, caught off in tangents and isms that the enemy would so try to do. You must know that the Logos Word of God is the established Word of God and the Rhema Word of God is the applied or the understood meaning of what God is saying to you personally and that that Rhema Word has always got to line up with the Logos. We cannot compromise the Logos. We cannot compromise the established Word of God. And we need to understand that because part of our armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of the Lord. And that Word there is rhema. It is that Word. Jesus, when He spoke to Satan and said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, there's rhema, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that's God's Word being applied to you, God's Word being understood to your personal situation. So that rhema Word has to not violate the Logos. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, well, God told me this. And when they started telling you what God told them and they're making plans to do, and you knew it violated the Scripture, you're just like, wait a minute, that, that can't be right. God is not schizophrenic. God is, he didn't forget what he said. God's not, that's not God. Now, now, you must understand the strategy of the enemy. The enemy does not come to us with a pitchfork and with uh, horns and with a tail and say, here I am, I'm going to lead you down the path of destruction and destroy your life. He doesn't do that. He comes as an angel of light, the Bible says. So he's going to come sounding like an angel or sounding like the Spirit of God or sounding like God. And you've got to be careful that when he's talking and he has the voice of God. You ever met someone that can do voice impressions? You know, they can sound just like, you know, John Wayne, or they can sound just like, you know, Steve Harvey, or I've heard people do all kinds of voice. It's like, if you weren't looking, you would think it was them. Well, that's Satan. He'll love to come in and try to sound like God. That's his greatest strategy against a Christian, to sound like God so that you think that's a rhema word that you're supposed to act on. But if that rhema word violates the Logos word, you must not do it. It's not God. So we need the Word of God. We need to understand the Word of God. And the, and the basic principle of the Word of God is it portrays Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. Because behind the Bible and beneath the Bible and beyond the Bible is the God of the Bible. 
So as you study the Word, you're going to get to know God better. It's a book about relationship. It's a book about heart to heart and spirit to spirit because God is showing to us and revealing Himself and revealing His will to us. You want to know the will of God? You will find it as you study the Word of God. Now, the Bible contains how many books? 66 books. Now, these 66 books were written by 40 authors over about 1,600 years, and yet this is one book, it's one history, it's His story that is revealed to us from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And behind the 10,000 plus events of the Bible, we see that God is standing there, and He's the builder of history, and He's the maker of the ages. Let me tell you what, God has been faithful in the ages past, and we see He's going to be faithful in the future, and you must know He is faithful right now. Right now, your God is faithful because between Genesis and Revelation, we see this thing called time and this time that we all must uh, go through that God wants to be involved with us going through this time. So don't think this Sunday thing is when I go check in with God like a security guard going by his post and he's punching in, he's checking, I was there, and then he moves to another post. That is not what this is about. What we are here to do is to celebrate corporately what we're going to sell, who we're going to celebrate and what we're going to do individually all through the week. I want you to be challenged to grow in your faith, to grow in your knowledge of God, to grow in your relationship with God because God's got great things for you. God's got plans to lead you into prosperity and blessing and health and deliverance and joy and peace and every good work is there He wants to lead you into but you've got to learn to follow Him every day of the week. Amen. How many of you ever had, uh, remember having encyclopedias? I know Google is kind of the encyclopedia of the day, but, but encyclopedias, you had Compton's or Botanica or whatever. Every year they'd send you an updated version that updated the world events that had changed in that past year. And uh, encyclopedias are good. They impart knowledge of people. They impart knowledge of facts and events. And, and uh, they're, they're very important. And then dictionaries, how important are they? They impart knowledge of words and etymologies and meanings that we can understand and communicate. But let me tell you what, as important as encyclopedias are and as important as dictionaries are and as important as, important as other books are, there's no book in, on the planet more important than the Word of God. The bestseller that's known to all humanity is the Bible and will continue to be. Let me tell you what, it is the most important book that you should have regularly in your life because in it God is revealing His will to, will to us. You want to know what God wants for you? You want to know where God wants you to go? You want to know how God wants you to do it? It's all revealed to us in His Word. Hallelujah. So I want us to get a love, uh, a, re a re rekindled love. Uh, how many of you have ever gone to a marriage conference and you, before you went to the marriage conference, you've been married 20, 30 years and you thought you had it together, right? You thought you had it together. But then when you go to this marriage conference and wow, there's just something uh, you've been overlooking. There's things that you've been blind to. There's things that you've just gotten used to each other and been missing and this and missing and that. And it's something you come back from that marriage conference and you were just rekindled. You're like honeymoon city. The kids are like, ah, damn mom, dad, you're making me sick. God, stop it, stop it. 
You know, you're just, you're just all over each other. Well, that's kind of what I want to happen this morning. I want you to go out of here falling in love again with the Word of God, the power of its uh, anointing and its uh, direction in your life so that you, there's nothing going to rip the Word of God out of your life. Hallelujah. So I'm here to give you some bullet points, and they're going to be fast. We're going to get on a speeding European train. We're going to go from country to country really fast as I'm going to convince you why we need the Word of God. And the first thing we need the Word of God because it is the wisdom of God. In it we receive the wisdom of God. Now wisdom is simp the simple law of God applied accurately in our lives and in the areas of our problems. So if you've got a problem, now if you don't have a problem, never had a problem, don't expect to have a problem, this isn't for you. But if you're ever going to be dealing with a problem, let me tell you what, you can have the wisdom of God in how to accurately apply the knowledge of God to see the solution to that problem. For this is your wisdom and your understanding, Deuteronomy 4 and 6. And for the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding, Proverbs 2 and 6. God wants to give you the benefit of all of His wisdom and all of His knowledge but he's not going to just rain it down on you. He says, I'll give it to you in my word. So you've got to get in his word to get the wisdom of God. The second reason you need the word of God is because it is the love book of the universe. You're not going to properly understand love if you don't understand from the word of God what true love is. The world has, you, as you would say, has truly marred what true love is. It is corrupted and called what called love what is really lust. You know what I'm talking about. And if we're not careful and we don't have the, the plumb line of God's word, we will let, raise up a generation who does not know what true love is. The Bible says in John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world, and this is a demonstration of love, agape love, so much so that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's true love. We see that true love also expressed in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, where he says, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. That was love. He laid down His life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our uh, brethren. So I'm here to tell you, we get a concept of what true love is. It's sacrifice. It's, it's not emotion. It's not, it's not a so, the soulish realm where you're in love because you feel good and an hour later you're out of love because you feel bad. It's not this yo-yo up and down. It is a covenant commitment. It is a depth of heart and depth of relationship that, that will weather the storms of life and get stronger as you go through challenges rather than be drawn apart. That is the true love that God shows us where we're willing to be sacrificial and lay down our lives for one another. Then we see that the Word of God is the book that gives us order. It's the book on order. And boy, do we need that in the 21st century. We need things to be put back in order. See, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the waters. And here God said, let's bring some order. And there He says, let there be light, and there was light. 
And God saw that the light was good. And He divided the light from the darkness. And He called the light day and He called the darkness night so that the evening and the morning of the first day were there. Let me tell you what, God brought order to this earth. Before there was order, there was no life. Before there was order, there was nothing good here. It was just formless. It was void. It was empty. It was basically of no good. But when God's order comes in, He can take that which is of no good and make great things out of it. How many of you know your life was no good at one point or another? But when you, inv- you welcomed in God and His Word and His presence into your life, He started bringing His order there. And there He was starting to separate what was good and bad and showing you what was right and wrong. And next thing you know, your life is being uh, 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 going forward in- with good things. Good things. How many of you know God has been good to you? Hallelujah. So the first day was day and night. The second day, he created the heavens. The third day, uh, the earth, the seed, the seed-bearing grass, the plants and the trees. On the fourth day, he had an order. He did sun, the moon, the stars to serve as light and signs and darkness. And then the fifth day, he gave sea life and birds to multiply and be fruitful. On the sixth day came the animals, the crawling things. And then that's us, the humans, mankind. He created to subdue the earth and to uh, rule over all things, he says. And on the seventh day, he rested because his work was complete. God is all about order. And we need God's order in our lives. We need God's order so that will help us live uh, healthy lives, to help us have good, healthy families, to help us have good, healthy finances and good, healthy minds. Everything can be good and healthy when it's placed in God's order. So Satan attacks God's order and he tries to get the family order all messed up. No dads in the home. And if we don't have a dad in the home, surely we get it out of the order of God and we can mess things up and God's plan won't uh, 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 suffice or it won't succeed. Well, I'm here to tell you, our God, if we can usher His presence in, no matter what the disorder is, and we let the order of His Word come in, He can help us turn things around, and what the enemies meant for evil can get turned around for good. Amen? Amen. Also, the Word of God reveals the laws of the universe. The laws of the universe. We need to understand these. The law of the seed. The law of work. The law of miracles. The law of harvest. The law of love. The law of process. The law of truth. All of these laws He's given to us, and if the Word of God shows us how to use these laws. For example, if we were to use the law of the seed, if we didn't understand the law of the seed in the physical, we wouldn't have any food to eat. Because no farmer would ever say, well, I'm going to take this little thing that looks like a flake of pepper, put it in the ground, work really hard, and pour money into it because that little kernel that I put in the ground is going to give me a thousand times what I put in there. If they didn't understand the law of the seed, they would say, why am I going to bury this thing? It's going to rot in in the ground. No, it's going to die, but then once it dies, it's going to have resurrection power, and it's going to spring forth a sprout, it's going to spring forth a, a, a shoot, it's going to spring forth a plant, and then it's going to bring fruit, and that fruit's going to come back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together in multiplied fashion because that's the law of the seed. And when you understand that, you'll work the fields so that we'll have a, a harvest because you know what's going to happen. Well, the law of the seed works in every area of our lives as well. It works in our finances. It works in our words. It works with the attitudes and the actions that we give. So whatever we, we sow, the Bible says, is coming back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. With the measure you give, it's coming back. You give out bad, bad's coming back to you. 
You, you give out lies, lies are going to come back. You give out deceit, deceit's coming back. But you give out good, good's coming back. If you give out into benevolence, benevolence is coming back because of the law of the seed. Then the law of work. We need to understand the law of work. Too many people don't understand the law of work. And they think it's a prison sentence or they think it's a bad thing. Let me tell you what, work is good. Adam was created and given to rule over the garden and tend the garden before the fall. So work was good. Yes, the enemy wants to come in and mess it up, but we need to learn to work the, the, the law of work in such a way that we put our hands and dedicate our hands to do what God's called us to do. We find our gifts, we find our talents, we find our anointings, and we follow the calling of God on our life so that what we're doing, we're doing as unto the Lord when we work. Hallelujah. Now I could go through all of these laws, but time's not going to afford that this morning. Then the Word of God, we need it in our lives because it's a relationship handbook. Now if you look at America and you look at the world and how the enemy has so twisted and turned and, and turned inside out and upside down and, and backwards relationships, let me tell you what, we need a handbook on relationships. Amen. Starting with our relationship with God, starting with our relationship with ourselves, starting with our relationship with our spouse if we're married, starting with our relationship with our friends and our family and our children. Let me tell you what, we need the handbook on relationships and God gives us all those details in the Word. Boy, the Word of God just has it all. It has it all. I, we had a Trusted Compass Christian Business Network meeting this past Friday over at Cypress Point Country Club in Virginia Beach and Greg Roth was there and he was there, the manager of the Oasis Network, 91.5 FM, and uh, he came up uh, and he was going to give away a, a farmer's almanac. And he was like talking about 80% accuracy. And if you want to know what's going to happen with the weather this weekend and, and know what's going to happen next week, he says, you want this book? And he says, who wants, to, who wants this book? And everybody was raising their hand. I want it. I want it. So they did the drawing and I don't remember who won it. And, uh, but let me tell you what, if that thing's 80% accurate, I'm like, guess what? We have a book that's 100% accurate. Hallelujah. There's no error. There is nothing wrong. There is not one mistake in the Word of God. Hallelujah. It is the manual that we need. Another point is that we uh, see that number six, the Word of God is a worship encyclopedia. It is a worship encyclopedia. God tells us how He likes for us to approach Him. He likes to, us to approach Him with singing. I was uh, talking to someone recently and this young man was saying, well, I just don't get it about this church thing. I just don't get it. I, I, I can do my own thing just between me and the Lord. And he said, isn't that right? And I said, well, uh, you can do a thing between you and the Lord. That, that part's right. I said, but this church thing, let me just give you a little insight of what the Bible says about it. The Bible says that Jesus is building His church. So it's Jesus' idea. It's Jesus' masterpiece, you might would say, that He's building. It's, it's what He's doing. He's coming back not for you. He's coming back for a glorious church. So I want to be a part of the church because that's what He's coming back for. Now you're questioning the validity of a local church. I said, well, I see that most instruction that came in the New Testament after Jesus ascended uh, and the Holy Spirit came was epistles or letters that were written as instructions and advice and teaching it to local churches. So local churches are very important that God has these apostles and He has these uh, writers writing under inspiration to local churches. I said, and also when John was raptured up and had that, that encounter in heaven, 
The first thing Jesus says is, John, you're here to take dictation. And I want you to take what I'm saying, dictation, and I want you to give these seven letters to these seven local churches that are the heads of basically the church movement that I have going on. So John writes these seven letters to local churches because the local church is so important to God. So here we see the Word of God gives us as the worship encyclopedia that the church is the heart. It is the center of our worship experience. Yes, we worship God individually, but we can never see ourselves on the vertical uh, axis alone. The cross also has a horizontal axis, and God has called us to be a part of His church. Now, when we come to church, this gentleman would say, well, I don't get all these songs and all these instruments and all this stuff. Why don't we just get in there and get a little encouragement and then get out of there? And I said, well, because God in this worship encyclopedia, this worship book, he tells us what he likes. He says, I like it when you come through my gates with thanksgiving. And then I'll usher you into my courts with praise. He said, I love it when you come before me with singing. I love it when you stand, when you shout, when you dance, when you praise me with the cymbals, when you praise me with the drum, when you praise me with the stringed instruments, when you praise me with the flute and the harp and the lyre, when you praise me with your voices, everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Hands lifted up like trees waving and clapping before me and jumping and shouting and praising unto me. He says, I love it when you do that. So I told this young man, I says, so it's not about, this isn't something a council came up with. This is not something a denomination should say, well, we don't allow this, or but we'll allow that. They don't have a right. The worship encyclopedia tells us that God wants it all. He wants the dancing. He wants the shouting. He wants the clapping of hands. He wants the lifting of hands. He wants it all. He wants the shouts of Hosanna. He doesn't want rocks crying out in our place. He wants us to participate in worshiping Him. Hallelujah. So God's Word is our worship encyclopedia. It is also the Word of God teaches us spiritual protocol. In other words, how to approach God effectively. Some people say, well, I don't know how to talk to God. I mean, you talk to God for me. Who, who died and made me your intercessor, okay? I'm not your, your go-between. You're not coming in a box and talking to me so I can then come out of a box and talk to God. You now, that veil has been torn from the top to the bottom to the Holy of Holies. And you can come boldly, each and every one of us through the blood of Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. You don't need to come to God through me. You go to God straight for yourself. Well, the Word of God shows us that. It is the proper protocol. How to approach God effectively. How to approach leaders and those in authority, how to uh, have re your relationships with parents and children and relationships with employer and employees and relationships with your neighbor. All of this is given to us in this uh, 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 Word of God that teaches us spiritual protocol. Also, the Word of God, we need it in our lives because it is the problem-solving handbook. Hallelujah. It reveals how to solve every problem you know or don't know about yet. You know, it will help you with your financial problems. It will help you with your sin problem. It will help you with your health problem. It will help you with your marriage problem. It will help you with your parental problems. It will help you with your relational problems. Uh, every problem, even if there's a church problem, the Bible has a solution for theirs. If there's a problem in the church, it is our problem-solving handbook. Man, you need to fall in love with the Word of God. You need to start researching the Word of God. I know if we were putting something together or trying to fix something and we couldn't figure it out, 
then you would go to the manufacturer's manual and you would see how the manufacturer says it's supposed to go together and how it's supposed to work. And when you go there and you follow one, two, three, four, five, and you're like, wow, it really works that way. And, and that's a fallible man putting that together. Think about an infallible God who cannot make a mistake in what he's put together for us. Here's our problem-solving manual, the Word of God. And then the next one is, it is a deliverance handbook for those who are held captive. See, the enemy thinks he can come in and hold you captive, even if he did it from generation to generation and you were born captive. You feel like you were born that way, you're going to always have to remain that way. Lie from the pit of hell. No matter what the enemy has on you, no matter what hold he has uh, against you, let me tell you what, the Word of God shows us that we can be set free for he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live with that bondage. You don't have to live with that lie. You don't have to live under the influence of whatever that claw the enemy has on you. You can be set free. There's an anointing that comes from the Word of God that will lift your burden and it will destroy the yoke off of you. That thing the devil's yoked on you and held on you for all these years, let me tell you what, it will be broken off of you by the Word of God. That, 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 that uh, phraseology of destroying the yoke comes from where an oxen gets so, uh, they eat and they get so strong and they get so healthy that that yoke is burst off because of the inner growth. Well, that's what the Word of God does. It comes into us and it causes us to grow and bulk up. And whatever yokes the devil had on us has to pop off of us that we can be free, hallelujah, in Jesus pornography cannot hold you. A lying spirit cannot hold you. A controlling spirit cannot hold you. Whatever that lustful spirit is, it cannot hold you. Whatever that thievery spirit is, it cannot hold you. Whatever that alcoholic spirit is, it cannot hold you. Whatever that drug spirit is, it cannot hold you. Let me tell you what, you get the Word of God in you and the Word of God will cause you to get bigger and stronger and it will break off that yoke off of your life. Hallelujah! This is a deliverance handbook for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word of God also creates conviction that causes change. I've talked to people before and I said, you know, you shouldn't do that. Here's ten reasons you shouldn't. And I'll give them ten reasons. From my mind, they make good sense. I could write a book on it and people would buy the book thinking it was really good knowledge. But to them, they argue with it. They argue with it. And I'm like, but why can't you see? If you take the hammer and you hit your thumb, it's going to hurt. Why can't you see that? Here's a picture of what it looks like. Here's, a, here's, here's some it's actual some camera footage of you doing it to yourself before. You know, why do you keep doing this, you know? And uh, so let's stop hitting ourselves with the hammer uh, because it's always going to cause a bloody and painful mess. And they argue with me. But I've been able to meet with people and share with them the Word of God. Maybe the simplest little scripture. But I know that it's alive. See, the Word of God is alive. It's alive. It's, it's the breath of God. It's the Spirit of God. It's the power of God. It's the life of God. It's the anointing of God. It's the deliverance of God. And I'll share that Word with them. And while that Word goes into their heart and, and begins to do a work in them, the next thing you know, conviction comes on them. And now they're willing to change when all my reasons were so amazing. I mean, my reasons were amazing. Should have changed anybody. Had no effect at all. But the Word of God literally turned their lives around. But we can't forget that the Word of God creates conviction that causes change. And that's not, and, and, you know, the Bible says, you know, and preaching down to anybody, they're going to put a wall up. They're not going to receive that. But when you share the Word in love, 
You know, this is what God would say about this. And just share with him, man, that word gets in there, that word can bring change. And then finally, we see that the word is a book of divine secrets. Did you know that? It's almost like God knows our nature. He knows that we like to know things that we don't know. We like, you know, give me, give me the insider trader information, you know. That's what we want to know. And, uh, and, and then we want to sanctify it and act like it's all spiritual. Well, you know what? The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. There are things in his covenant that when we read it, we're not seeing. We're not seeing. But when we reverence him and we come into that proper protocol of understanding what you do, that fear of the Lord... He says, I'll reveal things in the covenant that you've not yet seen. Secrets that will cause promotion in your life, that will cause blessing and favor in your life. He said, I veiled it. Jesus did this with the parables, you remember. He said, this is a heavenly story, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And for those with veiled eyes, they, are not going, they don't see it. They don't see it. But these truths are kingdom principles and kingdom truths. And if you have ears to hear, let you hear. If you have eyes to see, see. He said, and be a doer of it. So it's the same here. He says, oh, I will reveal the secrets to those who fear me, and I will show you his covenant. The Bible contains these divine secrets. They're all in here. There's things that I've never seen. I've been uh, studying the Word of God 30-plus years. I've been in Bible school. I've been to seminary. I've been to graduate school. been in doctoral program. I thought I'd been through it all back and forwards, and there's still every week. Wow. Whoa, new stuff, new stuff. Is anybody, is that happened to anybody with here? New stuff, like wow. And God, you've not changed, so it was always there. But now I'm seeing it. You are so awesome. Huh? I just, it just gets sweeter and sweeter. They say, Pastor, you've been a pastor in here for 25 years. Doesn't it get tired and boring to preach the same sermon? I hope it's not for you because it's not for me because I keep seeing the Word and growing in the Word and understanding more of the Word. It's a lie. David said this, I will hide your Word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. Oh, I pray that you would see the necessity and importance of the Word of God and that you would hide the Word of God in your heart. That you'd make a commitment that today I'm going to take the dust off of mine. If you don't have a Bible, I've got a whole stack of them over here. We've got some at the Welcome Center. We can give you a Bible. It's free. We're giving you the most valuable book on the planet Earth and it doesn't cost you a dime. You just need to delve into the Word of God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that I want you to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. So the commitment is we had this closing prayer now for this part of the service. Our commitment is this. Have we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ for him to be our Lord and our Savior? He is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Amen. The word was God. And then he tells us in John 1.14 that the Word came and dwelt among us. So Jesus embodied the Word. He showed us the living, loving, healing, delivering, providing, uh, sanctifying, redeeming love as the Word walking among us. And now He has given us His written Word. Same Spirit, same anointing, same power. So if you're not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, these will be just words to you. These will be just words to you. This will just be history to you. It'll be maybe even good words. But you've got to surrender to the author. 
And Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, has given us not only the embodiment and the walking out of the Word, but by His Spirit, the written Word. And we've got to surrender His Lordship. I've showed this to you so many times, and I encourage you with it every time as I do now. What you've got to do with making Jesus Christ your Lord is you've got to take your contract out. Take your contract out. I'm holding up a blank sheet of paper with my signature at the bottom. And this is my contract with the Lord because of His Lordship. Whatever you tell me to do, whatever this day, whatever this hour, whatever this week you want me to do, I've already signed it. It's a signed check. I'm, it's pay, I'm do it, whatever it is, because you're the Lord of my life. I don't care where you tell me to go. I don't care what you tell me to do. I don't tell what, care what you tell me to give. It's already done because, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. Now, Paul says, if you will confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord, that you've signed a blank contract, that you're surrendered to the will of God, that Jesus Christ is now seated on the throne of your heart, that you're going to live for Him. If you'll confess that, if that will be your declaration, he says, and believe God is raising from the dead, you'll be saved. And the word saved is sozo, which means healed, delivered, mended, sewn back together, made complete, made whole, for physically and for eternity. So the salvation is not just going to heaven. It's having heaven come to you here on this earth. And all of that comes when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we surrender to His Lordship and we take hold of His Word, and we let this Word, and we hide it in our hearts, this is not a head thing, this is a heart thing. This is not about intellect, this is about relationship. And we have a relationship with His Word, which Jesus is the Word, and this is Him expressed in written Word. And we follow the Word, not being a hearer only. Success is all, the only way. Success is the only way. There is no room. There is no room for failure because God has never failed. He has never lost a battle ever, and He never will. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Is He your Savior? If not, He can be. And you can make sure that in this prayer, as we cl close with prayer now, let's just bow our heads before the Lord. Father, we just bow our heads before You. We thank You, Lord. We thank You for Your Word. We thank you for the work of your spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for your anointing that is present. And Lord, as we've been faithful to preach your word and the importance of your word, we've also been listening and understanding how we need to receive your word and act on your word. And right now, there may be those here that need to act on your word, Lord God, and invite you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. That's you. You can pray with me this very simple prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody to pray it with me. So we, we've all had to pray this at one time or another, and it never hurts us to pray it again. So let's pray. Father God, I come to you born a sinner, falling short of your glory, and the wages of sin is death. I deserve hell. But you're a good, good God. And you've offered me an alternative if I'll come to you and surrender my life to you. So Jesus, here am I. I surrender all. Take me. Lead me. Guide me. I will follow you from this day forward. For I have decided with the world behind me and the cross before me that I'm going to follow you, Jesus. 
So I confess with my mouth, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. I surrender to you. Thus you are my Savior. And I celebrate you. And I celebrate your work of redemption. As I now rise up in my spirit, a child of God, a royal priesthood, called by you to serve you all the days of my life. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.